With more Americans staying home, home improvement retailers have seen a major boost in sales during the coronavirus pandemic. Meanwhile, American Eagle Outfitters launched a new sustainable brand. And this just in, Amazon's new smart grocery cart will be hitting grocery store aisles later this year. We've got the scoop and more on today's episode. It's Monday, July 20th, and this is your Retail Rundown. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today, our guests include Ethan Chernofsky and Christina Cooley. Ethan is the Vice President of Marketing for Placer AI, where he helps businesses unlock the power of location analytics. Prior to Placer, Ethan was the Director of Corporate Marketing at SimilarWeb and the Vice President of Headline Media. Christina Cooley is the practice lead of at-home intelligence at J.D. Power, where she oversees several annual syndicated studies, providing benchmarks for both manufacturers, brands, and retailers. Ethan, Christina, thank you guys for joining today. Thanks so much for having me. Julia, thank you so much for having me. I'd like to start off the show by taking a deeper look at the home improvement sector. This has been booming during the pandemic. While some retail categories are fighting to survive, retailers like Home Depot and Lowe's have seen a major boost. As many Americans stayed home to help flatten the curve, first quarter sales at Lowe's rose 12.3%, and for competitor Home Depot, sales rose 7.5%. Last month, Home Depot CEO Craig Manier highlighted the company's dedication to digital innovation, which allowed the retailer to quickly adapt to shifts in consumer needs, preferences, and behaviors. Christina, I wanted to turn this to you first. Based on your research, what can we expect from home improvement shoppers in the months to come? Yeah, thank you, Julia. It's been a very interesting last several months watching the home improvement retailers. They've been in a very unique position during this pandemic. And as we know, they've been deemed for the most part essential. And I think they've really have tried their best to kind of serve in that role. At JD Power and Associates, we really try to be kind of that voice of the customer. So we're going out, we're serving consumers about various experiences and then trying to provide that information back to the industries and, and in this case, the home improvement retailers. And, and we've seen some interesting data, maybe not so surprising, but definitely interesting over the last several months. We did a poll survey coming into the pandemic and saw a few trends there. So if, for example, we know that some uh, homeowners are, are looking to put off a new home purchase. So they came into maybe second quarter thinking they were going to buy a home. And about 11% of those are saying, mm, no, probably not the best time. Yet they're staying home and they're making really important purchases. So, you know, we've seen about maybe 40% or so have been buying pretty major purchases, definitely a lot of appliances, consumer electronics, and just looking to kind of better set themselves up to be able to stay home. And, and the home improvement retailers have really kind of met them at that need. And we think that's going to continue uh, to be the case, definitely in the short term. Some of the other things we've seen is that more customers are taking on home improvement projects during this time. And, and we think that's also going to continue. It was really interesting. Overall, we saw about half of consumers are considering a home improvement project. And 
within that group, there was about 10% who hadn't considered one, but now that they're home, they're taking something on. So there's been this increased demand for the home improvement retailers to really kind of meet that need and, and help customers to not only, you know, do what they need to do within their homes, but to really kind of support and help them get through this a difficult time. And we've seen some of those projects being painting, right? So it's not that a all of a sudden, you know, more customers are needing to paint. They just have more time to paint. And uh, so painting's been a big project. Another one has been starting a garden or landscaping projects. So we've seen some very specific home improvement areas really peak during this time. Again, you know, it's as much about meeting a customer need as it is providing just the general consumer an opportunity to take advantage of this time and do something positive that can kind of balance out some of the negative things that are happening. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely been an, an uptick in curbside pickup as well for these improvement retailers. Ethan, do you are you seeing some of these same things? I know you are based in, in Israel and Tel Aviv. Some of the numbers that Christina mentioned, 40% of people are buying major appliances. I think you said 11% are no longer looking to maybe buy a new home. They're staying in and sort of you know, creating gardens and maybe installing a pool and doing things to spruce up their home while we're kind of on quarantine. Um, But what are you seeing, Ethan? As a location data provider, what we're looking at is that those foot traffic patterns across the U.S. and we're, we're seeing that same thing. So, you know, we definitely saw a surge with brands like Lowe's in April already seeing massive increases in traffic and and Home Depot seeing huge increases year over year in traffic on a daily, weekly and monthly basis. But the wider space is seeing that growth. And there's two really interesting things that are happening. So the first is when you think as a whole sector, it's seeing this resurgence of 20% year over year as a wider category. Wow. And that's not just Home Depot or Lowe's. It's also the Pier 1s and the at-homes and the you know Tuesday mornings. Obviously, some of these guys are closing as well, but really filling that need. But what's incredible is what we saw initially was this lightning in a bottle moment of that sector's normal seasonality happening between March and May. The fact that we were in home and we had time, like Christina mentioned, the fact that we were at home and realized the things we hated about our home, like Christina (laughs) mentioned. But then what's crazy is that when you think about that last week that we have data for, which is the week from July 6th to 12th, we're seeing Home Depot traffic up 22.4% and Lowe's up 30.3%. And this is deep into the summer. So, you know, I think Christina's dead on of, we certainly expected this sector to do very well. It was something we spoke about already in March. We did not think that it would do this well, this long. Absolutely. And Ethan, because you have a unique perspective at Placer AI with your location analytics, are you, I mean, what is the mall traffic looking like since things have reopened? Is it a bit pitiful? So it's not pitiful. I was discussing it with a colleague today and It's like asking a really amazing NBA player, like, why aren't you scoring 30 points a game like you were before when you have a broken arm and a broken leg? (laughs) And so they're doing as well as they can. And in fact, when we look at a lot of these malls, considering the self-imposed restrictions, considering the limitations on hours, it's actually pretty impressive. And I think it's a real sign of the resiliency of consumer demand. Mm -hmm. And I think it should give us a lot of optimism for when we can finally get to that real recovery period and start moving past the pandemic, 
how quickly that space will rebound. Mm -hmm. And I like your points about seasonality. You said it's usually March to May. That's the hot time. Well, less hot, actually, if we're talking about the weather, but that's the time to go get your stuff, do your projects. And you said, look, we're in mid-July and traffic is still up year over year way higher than it was. I think you said 30% for Lowe's and 20% for Home Depot. That's huge. It's enormous. And it's, um, you know, there are some categories that are doing way better than others. So good for Home Depot and Lowe's. I would like to see a little bit more on the digital side. Are there any initiatives that either of you think maybe benefited home improvement retailers during the pandemic? Yeah, Julie, I can jump in here with our home improvement retailer satisfaction study. We definitely see that digital is playing an increasing role, um, specific to home improvement, but even beyond that, I think we see it as a more general trend. It's really so interesting with consumers. uh, We find that more and more, they're going online first, right? As they're shopping and and researching either the products or projects they want to take on. And that's really going to be focused around trying to figure out pricing and budget and the specific kind of product features they're looking for, um, but also using it as a way to kind of validate the route they're going down in terms of looking at ratings and reviews and so forth. You know, specific to home improvement and some of these other larger categories, they still want to get in the store though, right? So it's really a retailer's opportunity to use their website and to digitally kind of bring that customer in, provide them the information they need, kind of set them up, and then drive traffic to the retail store itself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And potentially rearrange some of the store format eventually, not just because of COVID, but because there's increasing curbside pickup orders and things like that happening. So interesting stuff. Christina Cooley, practice lead of at-home intelligence at JD Power. Thank you for coming on the rundown to talk about the home improvement sector. All right, switching gears, Ethan, I'm going to jump a little bit into the newest news from Amazon with you. But first, I wanted to tell our listeners a little bit more about Vtex. Vtex is the first and only global, fully integrated end-to-end commerce solution with native marketplace and OMS capabilities. Vtex helps companies in retail, manufacturing, wholesale, groceries, consumer packaged goods, and other verticals to sell more, operate more efficiently, scale seamlessly, and deliver remarkable customer experience. Find out more about what VTEX can do for your business at www.vtex.com. So just a few weeks after it retired its Dash wand, Amazon unveiled a more groundbreaking Dash product, perhaps the most groundbreaking yet. This time, the gadget will be in stores rather than at home. So last week, it announced the Smart Shopping Cart. This allows you to shop in-store without ever having to go to the checkout queue. So the cart has cameras in it with sensors and a scale, and it automatically detects what you drop in. So there's no scanning, nothing. You just pick the item off the shelf, put it in the cart. And if you need to put your purse or or your jacket into the cart, there's a button that will allow you to do that as well so it knows. 
Um, and at the end of the trip, the cart will tally your total and charge your credit card linked to your Amazon account. So there's a special line that you get into with your cart to just walk out of the store. And the initial debut of this technology will be at the LA supermarket that Amazon is opening later this year, probably next month is what I'm hearing. So what is the benefit of a smart shopping cart versus Amazon's just walk out technology that we see in their go stores and in the other grocery store they launched in Seattle. I mean, so the assumption is that there's something about the Go stores that was more difficult to replicate. And so they're using this either as an option that can be complementary. So in each store, they can figure out which one technically is the most effective solution or that, you know, the Amazon kind of Go style requires certain limitations, maybe on the space or maybe on what that indoor experience needs to look like. And that going cart allows them to have the ability to serve both of those options effectively. But I think that sometimes we get so excited about the Amazon style experiences from a technological perspective, but it's so important. And I think we're going to see this as they start really launching these stores in the coming months and years. They have got to provide something that feels authentic and interesting to come into a store. Convenience is important, but if we've seen anything from COVID, it's that we want to have an experience that we feel like is authentic and we can connect with. That's a good point because we had Anne Beal of, of Beal Research on the podcast a few weeks ago, and she said that curbside is so popular because customers want to feel some sense of normalcy without taking the risk. So going to get it feels like you're running an errand. It feels more normal and things like that. But I do wonder, it seems, the technology does seem really similar. And like you said, maybe there is a, a benefit and it's not just a complimentary type of technology because do you think, we're just kind of guessing here, but do you think that they'll roll these carts out and have also regular carts and buggies that are not digital enabled? Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. Generally, Jeff Bezos does not message me when he has these ideas. <laughs> but I think I think he should. But if, you know, I assume that there is, that they ha- would have one type that either goes on or off. Otherwise, it's going to create a more confusing experience of like, I walk into the store, am I taking the right cart? Am I going to the right lanes? Like, I, I want to enjoy my experience. And I, as someone who loves going to the supermarket. Like I I enjoy it. You know, when I'm in Florida, I love walking into a Publix. I do think shopping is a pleasure there. (laughs) And I want to, I want to see my produce. You're pandering to me, Ethan. You know, I love Publix, pub subs all the way. I did not know that, but we can, we'll have our, our, (laughs) our edition where we just laud Publix for being awesome. For me, it was Wegmans growing up in Pennsylvania. And these experiences are so fun and interesting. And you enjoy them. It makes you excited to buy the food. It makes you excited to then go cook the food later on. And so I think they have to make it streamlined. And I think they're a smart enough organization to figure out how to do that. So you think probably not, they won't give customers the choice that will just be a fully equipped store, if you had to guess, because of, you know, not causing confusion with customers. That's an interesting take. Yeah, it'll be fully equipped, but you'll have the ability to like turn it off and on. So if I want to go, they'll have some form of like old school checkout or some for, you know, that would be my assumption. Mm -hmm. And I will say I noticed, so our 
Rethink Retail Advisor Ricardo Belmar posted about this news topic last week on LinkedIn. And I know someone commented and said, it's going to be super complex to keep track of the carts. And these are going to be assumably very expensive carts. I mean, who knows, 25,000 a cart or more. And over 2 million shopping carts are stolen each year. So there could be a problem there with potential theft and um, just the complexity of of the execution, I think might be a challenge. Agreed. Before our next segment, let's hear some good news. Ulta Beauty announced its new Conscious Beauty platform, an initiative by the retailer to provide guests greater sustainable and cruelty-free product choices and transparency. Shoe retailer Zappos will begin selling single shoes on its e-commerce site, a move that will better serve customers with various needs, such as amputees and those with different sized feet. And over at Lowe's, the home and hardware retailer said it will donate $25 million towards small business grants in rural communities, in addition to $30 million in grants for minority-owned businesses. So this came a little bit earlier this month, and it's American Eagle Outfitters. They're an apparel company. They've been around for a while now, and they launched their newest sub-brand, which is based on sustainability. It's coming soon to the Hamptons, and it's called Unsubscribed. So this will have apparel and accessories from third-party brands and its own private label. An Instagram account for Unsubscribed describes the new brand as, quote, consciously made slow fashion, adding, quote, we believe in being kind to ourselves, to each other, and the world. Nothing more, nothing less. WWD reported that Unsubscribe will release two collections per year and will have a website solely for the purpose of hosting on-brand content. I will note prices start around $5 for accessories and go up to over $500 for a dress. Ethan, what do you think of American Eagle's decision to forego e-commerce and instead sell its unsubscribed products from a single store? I mean, I love it. I would say that I would subscribe to this, but (laughs) I mean, yeah, whatever. Forgive me for saying that, but you know, it's no, I think it's a fantastic idea. I think it's also that they're going to have other brands in it. It's so on trend, this idea of kind of direct to consumer brands and product oriented companies expanding their retail footprint offline because of the experience they can provide, because it's high conversion, because it creates really good brand awareness and marketing opportunities. I think this is something we're going to see more of. And I think American Eagle is doing something really smart. Mm -hmm. I think they are too. Our team looked up some interesting statistics because Gen Z is actually really passionate about sustainability. And there was a first insight study from this year that found 73%, so almost three in four Gen Zers said they'd pay more for a sustainable item. Um, And 10% of them said they'd pay a a premium price, which $500 a dress, I think, for people uh, in the Gen Z category, that that is pricey. Um, So it'll be interesting to see. I I will say um, there were some critics I saw on LinkedIn and they said, you know, American Eagle is using its new Conscious Ford sub-brand as a guise to make up for lost sales. Do you think there's any truth behind that sentiment or or do you think that American Eagle is being authentic? I don't think I care because I think both can be true at the same time. Mm. I think many brands 
are both interested in selling products because they are companies and that is what they are supposed to do. And at the same time, interested in caring about the world. And if they can find areas where there is overlap, they will do so. And I think we should be excited that people consider those considerations as opposed to doing something just for the sake of profit and ignoring everything else. So I think we have this tendency sometimes to troll brands because you know their actions aren't good enough or pure enough for us. But the reality is they can be good companies and doing good things and we should be excited about that. You know, a great example is even now in the recovery when we saw Walmart, Target, Costco, all these brands in self-imposed restrictions when in theory they could have driven crazy amounts of product and ridiculous amounts of volume during those periods, even more than they did. But they self-impose those restrictions because there is this sense of corporate social responsibility. And so we can be cynical about it, but I think there are times when we can take a step back and realize that, yes, companies are interested in profit, but they can also do good things as well. Mm-hmm. That's a good sentiment. And I, I think this positioning reminds me of, I don't remember the name of a boutique, but it's in Colorado up the mountains and they sell skirts and like athleisure type wear, I think some ski gear, but they make it at their shop. So it's, it's handmade. It's very sustainable. It's local. It's pricey but they don't sell online at all. And you have to usually wait in about a 30 to 40 minute line. This was pre-COVID, obviously, but their sales were booming. And I'm I'm wondering if this is a similar approach by not having an e-commerce presence. Does that make it more enticing for people to go check it out in person? So I, I think it's how is it done? Like when you look at Nike as an example, Nike's offline experience is so interesting that it pulls people into stores. And as a result, they're looking to expand by about 200 stores over the next few years. And so if there is this experience that people are drawn to and they can understand, more importantly, who are the types of people that really connect with this? And so not just what does the first location do, but if the first location succeeds, where does number two go? Where's number three? How do you expand this out? How do you orient it towards different markets? It could be a really exceptional model Whereas, again, you could swing and miss, and that doesn't mean that this process is wrong. It just means it wasn't necessarily executed to perfection. Mm -hmm. And this kind of goes back to your core, which is location analytics. Do you think location will become even more important because of the pandemic in terms of where retailers choose to open a new store or tracking traffic in general to decide where to close stores even, things like that? A thousand percent. I think this process of the optimization of a retail footprint is something that we were already seeing happening with the smartest and best brands in 2019 and 2018. So clearly it's something that's going to continue. The other piece though that I'll say to this is I think we're about to enjoy this really exciting wave of more direct to consumer and more product oriented brands expanding their retail footprint. And what that means is not every mall is the same. Not every mall is a, you know, a Macy's and an Antiems and, you know, the things we've come to expect from a mall, but they can all have this different vibe and feel, which means from a location perspective, you can really target the audience you're trying to reach and you can create a more differentiated mix so that if we decide to go to the mall one weekend, we can go to the another mall the next weekend and have a fundamentally different and interesting experience. And that could be better for the entire retail landscape. Mm-hmm. And making it more of an entertainment hub, in a sense, and giving people a reason to experience retail and, and go out versus just shop 
online. A hundred percent. And what do you think about um, Kanye partnering with Gap? Did you hear about this? Yeah, I mean, it was... <laughs> That was the one you expected, right? Everyone thought a few years ago, it's going to be Kanye and Gap that's going to come together. But um, it's really interesting. What, you know what, we know what Kanye did for Adidas. We know that the boost that it gave them. And so the question is, will this boost that Gap is seeing in the short term sustain itself? Because if so, I mean, this is a game changer. This is obviously his wife is considered the queen of influencers. The idea that the king could now be her husband is is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Watch out, Beyonce and Jay-Z. That's <laughs> quite the power couple. I was just shocked a little bit because it's a 10-year deal. I mean, that seems a bit long. I know. It's it's COVID, though. Is, is the world going to exist in 10 years? They're like, whatever, we'll try it. We'll see what happens. Oh, my gosh. So true. Well, I really appreciated you joining today, Ethan, from Placer AI and hearing from you and earlier from Christina. It was a joy to have you both join. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to be here. Thank you. You've been listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. If you would like to be considered as a guest on our show, apply at rethink.industries podcast guest. For sponsorship opportunities, send us an email at media at rethink.industries. You can help support our team at Rethink Retail by dropping us a rating and review on your iTunes podcast app. To each and every one of you, thanks so much for tuning in. Retail never sleeps. See you next week.